0: Hey friends! So before we jump into today's episode, I want to address something real quick. So some of you may have noticed that I took down an episode recently and uploaded this one instead. The episode I removed was called, When Pastors Don't Have Answers, and it was based on a clip I saw from a prominent pastor, Mike Todd, from Transformation Church. In this clip, he supposedly discusses pronouns, non-binary people, and gay marriage, and how he doesn't have an answer on those topics. I say supposedly because when I watched the whole section where he discusses these topics, he does have an answer. He says that while he personally doesn't always know the answer to these hard questions, he defers to what the Bible says on those topics. So he did in fact provide an answer to go back to what the Bible says. Since the clip I shared was totally out of context and just segments from his sermon that were pieced together to sound like one continuous thought, I took down the episode. (laughs) I did not want to put words into Mike Todd's mouth and perpetuate that clip because it just wasn't true. I think integrity and credibility are important, especially in the age of the internet, so I took out the parts of that episode that were not true, and we uploaded the episode into what you will hear today. I wouldn't want someone to take my words out of context, and I did not want to do the same to Mike Todd. And I also learned an important lesson to sit down and listen to an entire piece of content and not just take a clip at face value. Anyway, on to the new and improved version of the episode. Before I dive in, however, you know i got to remind you where you can keep in touch with me. You can find me on Instagram at lonewolvesclub.pod, and you can email me at lonewolvesclub.pod at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you guys and hear more about what you want to hear about. I made this podcast for you and your enjoyment, and while I have a long list of things that I could talk about, I would love to hear from you and know what you wish that the church or Christians would talk about more. Anyway, now on to the episode for real this time. I know I am headed for troubled waters by bringing up the LGBTQ plus community because it is a very heated but also nuanced conversation. This episode will just touch briefly on my thoughts on how Christians can better love those in the LGBTQ plus community, a conversation I definitely haven't heard in churches lately. I want to encourage you to please proceed with an open mind and listen all the way to the end. I'm not saying that because I want more clicks or engagement. I'm just a tiny podcast with only 150 listeners, which I'm very thankful for, but I'm not worried about racking up followers. I just want to share my thoughts, and if you listen until the end, you will get the whole picture of what I'm trying to say. All right, my friends, we need to talk. (laughs) We need to talk, fellow Christians, because I have heard a lot Chatter, both in person and on the internet, regarding how we as Christians should handle the pronoun debate, the LGBTQ plus community, non-binary people, gay marriage, etc. And to be honest, a lot of the chatter I've heard has not been positive. I have heard about people who have come out as gay and been asked to stop serving at their church. I have heard about gay people who would take hot showers to get used to the idea of hell, since they were told that's where they would be going. And I have heard of gay people who came out to their friends only for their friends to stop talking to them. And as a Christian, all of this really saddens me, because all of the people I mentioned in these true stories love God and were a faithful part of their church— And rather than finding acceptance, compassion, grace, and love in the one place that they should find those things, they were shunned. It also saddens me because if someone believes in God, then they are part of the family of believers. They are considered a child in the family of God, and so they are brothers and sisters to those who also believe in God. And it pains me to see that rather than being accepted by their brothers and sisters in Christ, Many gay Christians are made to feel unwelcome. They are asked to leave, to stop serving, to not share about their relationship, to hide a huge part of their identity. And beyond being a part of the family of God, they are also a child of God and His creation regardless. And I do not understand why choosing to love someone of the same gender would be such a heinous thing that gay Christians are made to feel unwelcome inside the church because i think the church can learn a lot by inviting people in the lgbtq plus community to share their stories because many in that community do still believe in god contrary to what society shows for example i follow a popular youtuber who does makeup reviews he is a gay man named manny and he has almost 5 million followers on youtube quite the platform He openly talks about how he was raised. Mormon still believes in God, prays every night, and knows that he is a child of God. But I would argue that if you ask him how welcomed he feels by the church as a whole, you might hear a different story. And he has shared from time to time DMs he has gotten from fellow Christians that are less than kind, let's say that. Another person I follow on social media is Jonathan Van Ness, one of the hosts of the popular Netflix show Queer Eye. I remember in season one, they were making over people in the South, and so they ended up talking a lot about religion because in the South, we tend to hold on to strong conservative beliefs, both in politics and religion. So it naturally came up when a bunch of straight (laughs) religious men and women were being made over by a bunch of gay men. And so Jonathan said in one interview that he knows that God loves him, but he doesn't know if the church loves him. Those are just a few prominent examples of gay men who believe in God and are not afraid to talk about that to their audience. But I would argue that if they walked into a church just as they are wearing makeup, dresses, high heels, etc., they would not be accepted for who they are. Or if they even just, you know, shared that they were gay, you know, they didn't have to dress a certain way or act a certain way. But if they just, you know, talked about their partner, the way that straight people talk about their partners, I reckon they wouldn't feel as welcomed after that. And I think that's because while many churches in America do not openly hate gay people, Some churches do, and sadly those churches get more attention from the media than the ones that don't hate gay people. It's called outrage media, and it's the idea that things which cause an outrage perform better on the news, on social media, on talk shows, etc. That's why the news seems to just be, you know, a downer (laughs) and just full of a lot of angry people. Um, Because, you know, outrage is a very addictive emotion. It draws people in, so that's why... Sadly, a lot of churches who hate gay people and make that their platform end up getting more attention than normal, loving churches do. But anyway, I feel like by and large, the church has not done enough, in my opinion, to make people in the LGBTQ plus community, to make people who do not identify with either gender, feel welcome. Because... While there are some churches that are open and affirming, meaning they welcome gay men and women and have gay men and women serve in leadership roles or even preach as pastors, ministers, whatever you call them, there are many churches that are not open and affirming. Which is a shame because I think it would do the church a lot of good to learn from men and women who are commonly not welcomed by the church but still choose to love God anyway. Because... That is a powerful story that shows that they love God just because they love God and whether people accept them or not is not going to change that love. And not only are many churches not open and affirming, many are not even open about the fact that LGBTQ members are welcome there. I know what you're thinking. Many churches have signs outside that say, all are welcome or, come as you are, or, no perfect people allowed. Many churches will have mission statements like, we're imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. So, of course, when you hear statements like that, it's easy to see that this particular church is welcoming of everyone, right? But the problem is, members of the LGBTQ community, or those who are non-binary, have felt so unwelcome by some churches or Christians, and like we talked about, sadly those churches seem to be louder than normal loving churches, that they feel like the church does not accept them, even if the church does have signs everywhere that say things like, all are welcome. I personally think that the church has a long way to go when it comes to making amends for how gay people have felt like they don't belong, that you can't believe in God and be gay at the same time, And just a simple start would be for pastors to throw out statements like, if you are a member of the LGBTQ community, we as a church want to let you know that you belong here. You are a child of God and you're loved and accepted just as you are. For example, I was at an Easter service earlier this year and the pastor was preaching about how all are loved and accepted no matter who you are what you've done, where you've been, etc., you know, that kind of sermon. Also, I hope my fellow 90s kids caught that Backstreet Boys reference. Anyway, this pastor was preaching about how all are accepted no matter what, and while he was calling out different examples of people who may not feel accepted, I feel like he could have mentioned the LGBTQ community and really honed in on that for a second. Just a second, I'm not saying he needed to dedicate a whole sermon to making the LGBTQ+, plus members of his congregation, because I'm sure there are some, feel welcomed and accepted. I'm just saying that if more pastors slipped in mentioning the LGBTQ community when they talk about how all are welcomed, loved, and accepted, how the gospel is for all, the church is for all, God's love is for all, then more members of the LGBTQ community may start to feel truly accepted. You know, the funny thing is, so many Christians get bogged down on what to do with the LGBTQ community, what to do with non-binary folks, what to do about gay marriage. And really, I think the answer is simple. It's to love and really love, not in a general, all-are-welcome way, but to love in a specific, meaningful way. You know, The way all of us want to be loved and accepted. No one wants it to be general. We want it to be specific and intentional when people welcome us and love us. And if you focus on loving gay people truly and specifically just as they are, then all of the other complicated questions kind of fall away. You don't have to worry about the pronoun debacle, just call people what they want to be called. What harm is it to you? You don't even have to think that hard about gay marriage. You can just say that if that's someone's choice, it doesn't make you love them any less. Because gay marriage is already here, at least in America, and it's been here for a while. So really, why are we still debating this and worrying so much what we should think about it? I think a lot of Christians and churches can be set free by this line of thinking to love first, specifically and intentionally. Another thing I want to add is that I have a friend who is trans. At first, we lived together as roommates for a few years. We've since moved on with our lives, but we still remain friends. He actually lives right around the corner from me, so he hangs out with me at least once a week or more. And my trans friend accepts me just the way I am. He accepts that I believe in God even though he doesn't. And that's the beauty of choosing To love first. He doesn't ask me why I believe in a made up God, why I follow the teachings from an ancient book, why I believe weird stories about arcs and flies and made up stuff like that. He just accepts me for me. Imagine that. So, you know, I don't think Christians need to tie themselves into knots asking a bunch of questions about what to do about the pronoun tebapu, what to do about gay marriage what to do about non-binary people. Because I know that me being a Christian does not affect my trans friend at all. He doesn't twist himself into knots agonizing over the fact that I believe in God. He doesn't make it his mission to get me to not believe in God. He doesn't tell me that he dislikes my lifestyle. Because, you know, My beliefs are personal to me and affect only me. And the same thing goes for him being trans. It does not affect me in the slightest that he chose to be trans. It's not for me to understand the ins and outs for his decision about being trans and choosing the pronouns he's chosen. I think a lot of Christians would really free themselves if they adopted this attitude because they would not be bogged down by things that don't really concern them. Because choosing to love someone without needing to understand everything about them and their personal decisions is the very definition of love. You don't have to understand someone to love them completely. You know, so many Christians want to ask all of these questions and try to understand all these details. And I feel like really you can just keep it simple and just choose to love first and intentionally and specifically. I mean, think about your best friend or your significant other. I reckon you started liking each other when you were strangers, pretty much. I mean, I told my husband after two months of dating him that I loved him, and we were still very much strangers after those two months. But I loved him without fully understanding him, and I will never fully understand him anyway, because he is his own person on his own journey through this world. And although we share this journey He is still making his way through the world, just as I have to make my own way through the world. Of course, our journeys overlap and intertwine, but I still have my own life to live, just as he has his. So, all of that to say is that I think if we as Christians lead with love and realize that it isn't for us to understand all the ins and outs of someone's personal journey, especially if that journey concerns their sexuality— then we will be more free. And while it's true that the Bible does admonish homosexuality, and I do acknowledge that, it also doesn't say to make that any of our business. In fact, quite often in the Bible, we are told to mind our own business. And here is an example I think of when I feel like I personally am getting too hung up on what someone else is doing with their life the choices they're making, how they're living their life, because I'm human and not perfect. So of course I judge people sometimes for their lifestyle or get too invested in the choices that they are making. However, I always come back to this idea. When I'm standing before God on judgment day, giving an account for my life, I don't think God is going to ask about anyone else but me. He's not going to ask me about my trans friend and why I didn't stop them from getting surgery. He isn't going to ask me why when a friend came out to me, I didn't tell him that being gay is a sin and that he should repent. I think God is just going to ask me about me. In fact, in the Bible, it says in Revelation chapter 20, verse 12, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. I did a deep dive into that verse, and when it describes the dead, it means both the unbelievers and believers. So we as believers are also judged for what we do on earth. And again, I would argue that when God judges us and our deeds, he just judges us alone. I don't think anyone else is going to stand by my side before God when he speaks with me. I think I alone will have to account for my deeds, what I did and didn't do in my lifetime. Because in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, it says this, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I believe what that verse says, that we all have good works that are prepared in advance for us. There are conversations that only you can have, an impact that only you can make, a good deed that only you can do because of your unique situation and connections. And I also believe that this ties back to what it says in Revelation that we aren't judged for our deeds. For example, if there was a way that we could have helped someone and we refused, I think we have to give an account for that. But when it comes to things like someone making the choice to marry someone of the same sex, or getting surgery done to become trans, those are their choices that I don't think were held accountable. That person might be right for making Those choices, but I don't think we, as their friends or family, will be. And I say all of this because, again, I think some Christians get so concerned with the choices that other people make, that they act like they personally will be held accountable and affected by those choices. Like, again, the fact that someone is gay or chooses pronouns different from their gender should not affect you that much. (laughs) I think that's why Jesus was recorded so many times in the Bible as admonishing us for judging others, for looking at the speck in our brother's eye and not the plank in ours, for focusing on other people's lives and not our own. I mean, we all know the passage in the Bible about the woman who was caught in adultery, And when she was brought before Jesus, he didn't look at the crowd of people and say, good job, way to go for exposing her sin and bringing it before me. And it was a really serious sin. I mean, adultery isn't a small thing, right? Instead, in John chapter 8, verse 7, it says, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. And later, Jesus calls the crowd accusers. It says in John 8, verses 10 through 11, Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. So here we clearly see that Jesus didn't condone the crowd and how they were trying to act, as the moral police of the world. Instead, he challenged them to examine themselves. And I want to touch on that really quickly. The problem with Christians being the moral police of the world is that I feel like a lot of Christians think that they need to tell other people what's what. You know, they need to tell people what's right or wrong. They need to impose their worldview onto their non-believing friends, and the problem with that is when you try to come against your non-believing friend and try to call out their sin or speak the truth in love, they don't share the same worldview as you, right? I see a lot of Christians who argue about the pronoun debate and say that we shouldn't call people their preferred pronouns because we need to speak the truth in love, and if they are a biological man, then we need to call them a he, And disregard their pronouns. But again, if your coworker or friend or whoever you're having that issue with doesn't believe in God and you're trying to speak the truth and love to them, I think that's ineffective because that verse to speak the truth and love comes from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. And I feel like it's something that Christians hide behind when it comes to interacting with non believers especially those in the LGBTQ plus community or those who are non-binary. So I've mentioned before that I follow a popular Instagram account called Christians Who Curse Sometimes, and the owner of that account will use their platform to have important discussions about things like pronouns, and he'll ask people for both sides, he'll present both sides of the argument, and he will, you know, share anonymously what people say, um, on either side of the argument. And so recently he did ask his audience, which I think he has like 230,000 followers, so quite a lot. But he asked them, again, what do you think about using someone's preferred pronouns? And I was shocked to see that there were quite a few people arguing against using someone's preferred pronouns in their argument was that, well, we as Christians need to speak the truth in love. And again, I think that is a problem when you are trying to interact with a friend or a coworker or a family member of yours that doesn't believe in God, because they don't share the same worldview as you, right? They don't believe in sin. (laughs) And so if you're trying to tell them that it's a sin to be gay, or it's a sin to be bi, or it's a sin to be trans, or you're trying to tell them, no, you are biologically a male and I'm going to speak the truth in love and call you a he instead of a she. I would argue that's all ineffective because they don't believe in God, right? They don't have the Christian worldview. They don't follow the teachings of the Bible. So I think you're just going to alienate and ostracize that person and you know maybe shut down the friendship that you have with them. And I would argue for... The other side for saying you're dealing with a fellow Christian friend, right? Because the thing about that verse, to speak the truth in love, Paul was writing to the church in Ephesus and they had a particular problem within that community. I can't remember it right now off the top of my head, but they were facing a particular problem in that community. So they reached out to Paul, their spiritual leader and advisor, for advice. And so he comes back with that advice to speak the truth in love. But he was talking within a Christian community. He was advising Christians to speak the truth and love to each other, to other believers, other followers of Christ, not to the Gentile, not to non-believers, not to the Romans, not to you know other people in their society around them that didn't believe in God. He was just talking to that Christian community. And I think a lot of Christians have that problem of taking a Christian worldview and trying to Interject it into other people's lives, other people who don't believe in God, right? And that's where we can, you know, sow discord or we can sow division between ourselves and our non believing friends because we try to impose their worldview or our worldview onto them, rather. Kind of like what I was talking about with my trans friend, he doesn't try to impose his worldview on me, he doesn't try to convince me to like go to a drag brunch. He doesn't try to argue with me about the validity of the Bible and if it's true or not. He just lets me be me, just like I let him be him. We don't try to impose our worldviews on each other. And I would argue that as a Christian, you have more of an impact on nonbelievers when you sit back and don't try to shove your religion or shove your worldview down their throat. Right. And just to argue the other side, if you are a Christian and your fellow Christian friend or roommate or family member comes to you, coworker, and they tell you that they're gay or they tell you that they feel like they don't identify with the pronouns that they normally have, that they, you know, biologically are. I would argue that you need to tackle that on a case-by-case basis because I feel like It depends on the attitude of your friend when they come to you and tell you these things. It depends on their attitude when they come to you and tell you that they're gay. It depends on their attitude when they come to you and tell you that they don't feel like they align with their pronouns anymore. And this is why I think you need to factor in the attitude that they have. I feel like most people, when they come to you with something, they've already wrestled with it, you know? Particularly, I've heard from people who are gay, um, that it, it is a very hard thing to acknowledge. I would argue for a lot of gay people that it's not an easy part of yourself to acknowledge that they have wrestled with this for years, right? Some people, for their whole lifetime, every person is different, right? And of course, like, I can't speak for gay people, but just from what I've heard, they have some of them have wrestled with this for many their entire life. Some of them, it might be a new thing, but I feel like there's always a degree of wrestling. It's not an easy thing to admit. It's not an easy part of your personality to acknowledge. And so I feel like when your friend comes to you and comes out to you as gay, or they tell you they feel like they don't align with their pronouns anymore, I feel like they have already wrestled with that on their own. They're just kind of telling you friend to friend. And so I feel like, again, if you come against them and try to speak the truth in love and tell them that they're wrong, tell them that they're falling into sin, tell them that you're praying for them in like a passive-aggressive way, then I would argue that you could cause a rift in that friendship. Now, it's another thing if they're coming to you and they're asking for advice— then I think you're free to give it, right? If they come to you and they're like, hey, I'm really wrestling with thoughts and feelings about being gay. Can you help me process this? Can you pray for me? Can you, you know, maybe like dive into the word with me? Then yeah, of course, you're free to do that because they asked. But I feel like if they don't ask and you just impose your thoughts and feelings onto them, again, you might damage that friendship. So I would just proceed with caution and kind of handle it on a case-by-case basis. Again, taking the attitude of your friend, if they're showing any signs of doubt or confusion or whatever, then you can address that. But if they're coming to you and they seem sure, and they're just telling you friend-to-friend, then I think, again, you would have more of an impact on them by just listening to them, by leaning with love and hearing them out. All right. Speaking of leaning with love and accepting people as they are, meeting people where they are. I want to share a passage of the Bible that I feel like a lot of us forget, but it's a powerful example of the compassion and acceptance of Christ. So this passage is about Zacchaeus. Most may remember him as the man who was too short to see Jesus, when he sat down to preach to the crowds. So Zacchaeus climbed up a tree to have a better view. So for a reminder, the passage is from Luke chapter 19, verses one through 10, and it goes like this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was very wealthy he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming by that way. When Jesus reached the spot where the fig tree was, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once, and welcomed Jesus gladly into his home. All the people saw this and began to mutter amongst themselves, He is gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So in this passage, we again see Jesus' attitude towards the crowd who muttered amongst themselves, he's going to be a guest at the house of a sinner. He ignored their self-righteous attitude and declares that salvation has come to Zacchaeus, because he too is a son of God and that as the Son of Man, he came to seek and save the lost. How much more of an impact would we have on others if we had the attitude of Jesus, if we approached someone who had a completely different lifestyle or worldview than us and said, hey, I want to grab lunch with you today. Because it shows that Jesus' acceptance and kindness towards Zacchaeus is what led him to repent and give away his money to the poor. I would argue if you want to win people for Christ, you're not going to do it by making them feel uncomfortable for being a part of the LGBTQ plus community. You're not going to do it by fading out of their life when they come out to you as gay. You're not going to do it by asking them to step down from their ministry position in the church. And that brings me to kind of my final thoughts, which is that I've seen many Christians who use the phrase, hate the sin, love the sinner, when it comes to their stance on accepting gay people. And y'all, I don't like that phrase. (laughs) It's tired, it's worn out. And here's why I don't like it. Because a lot of Christians hide behind that phrase and still do things that aren't loving. For example, does boycotting funerals for gay men and women in the military sound loving? Is it loving to ask someone who has faithfully served at your church for years and found a family there to step down and stop serving when they open up to you and tell you that they're gay? Is it loving to tell your daughter that you're happy she found love, but that you don't want to hear anything about her partner, that she can't share a big part of her life with you? A lot of the Christians say that they hate the sin, love the sinner, but they still do all of the things that I just listed. And that is why I have a problem with that verse because, I, again, I feel like Christians hide behind it and then kind of start to slowly fade away from that person's life. And I don't think that's loving. And at the end of the day, I think Christians would do better if instead of immediately defending their stance on gay marriage or throwing out statements like, I love you, I just hate your sin, or I don't like your lifestyle— They would just listen, and actually listen, listen to the stories of men and women who love God just like you do and long to worship alongside their brothers and sisters in Christ. Because I think listening is the bare minimum we can do when it comes to loving others. But most won't even do that. For example, just yesterday I saw a post again from Christians Who Curse Sometimes And they posted a reel from another creator that was about accepting the LGBTQ community and how if you hate them, then you aren't portraying Christ accurately. And when you know it, a bunch of people came out of the woodwork defending their stance against homosexuality, and so many of them used that phrase, I don't hate them, I just hate their sin. Now people are entitled to share their thoughts, of course, but what I found really disheartening is that someone who is gay shared their frustration with Christians who say they disapprove of their lifestyle because they don't feel like being gay is their lifestyle. It's who they are. And so they said it's hurtful to them as an LGBTQ Christian to hear things like that, to hear their fellow Christians say, I don't like your lifestyle or I love you, but I hate your sin. And rather than people acknowledging their hurt and their story, That person's comment was met with dozens, literally dozens, I counted them, (laughs) dozens of replies from people who honed in on the fact that they called themselves an LGBTQ Christian. And all of those dozens of comments basically said, you can't be gay and be a Christian. There were so many comments like that, and they were basically just different versions of that, that you can't be an LGBTQ Christian that being a gay Christian is an oxymoron, etc. Church. (laughs) We have to do better. This is what I'm talking about when I say that the bare minimum is just to hear someone's story, and a lot of Christians, like those who responded to that person's story, couldn't even listen to what they said. They had to immediately defend their stance instead of having an open mind and just hearing someone out. So that is what I want to end with, that the church has a long way to go in order to make amends for how the LGBTQ community has been made to feel unwelcome in Christian circles and churches. And shutting down someone's story with statements like, you can't be gay and love God, are just doing more harm. Again, the bare minimum is just listening to someone's story and acknowledging their pain from one human to another. And hear me when I say that you don't have to be an ally, you don't have to support everything that goes on in gay culture, you don't have to go to a drag show, you don't have to be behind, you know, drag story times and things like that. You can just be a listening ear for when someone trusts you with a really important part of themselves, like their sexuality. To me, I always find it an honor when people trust me with the vulnerable parts of themselves because it helps me Tap into the compassion of Christ. It helps me lean on God to dive deeper into grace and love and acceptance when people share vulnerable parts of themselves with me. For example, when my trans friend came home from his surgery, I was pretty much left alone to care for him because our other roommate basically didn't want anything to do with that. And I remember asking God, What should I do? because I didn't have any blueprint for how to love gay people or trans people practically. I didn't hear about that growing up in the church. I just heard those God loves everyone, you know, blanket statements, but no one ever talked about how to practically love someone in the gay community, which is why I'm talking about it now and telling you this story. So I kid you not, when I prayed and asked God what should I do when my trans friend came home from his surgery, I heard God answer me, Love your friend the way you love yourself. That's it. So I woke up in the middle of the night to give him medicine, did that night after night. I helped him wash his hair and change his bandages. And I'm not saying that for pats on the back, but to show that I extended to my friend the kindness that God extends to me. God has been infinitely kind to me. God loved me when I was unlovable. God pursued me when I was a sinner. And it is the least I can do in this world to extend the kindness and grace that was given to me to another human. And I know my friend has never forgotten what I have done for him because he tells me so. And you know, when I stand before God one day, I would rather be remembered as a friend who knelt beside my twin's friend and washed his hair than a self-righteous person who refused to help because you shouldn't support trans people. I don't want rejection and turning away from people when they need love to be my legacy. All right, so I have never ended my podcast with a prayer, if not yet anyway, but I feel that this was a heavy topic and so ending in a prayer might be beneficial This is the prayer of St. Francis, a very popular one, but I sometimes pray it when I don't have the words to think of a prayer on my own. So, would you pray with me, my fellow Christian? Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, that we are born again to eternal life. Amen. All right, I have said a lot already, so I will end it here. I would also love to hear your thoughts because I know this is a very heavy, very nuanced topic. So again, feel free to email me, DM me to keep the conversation going. This has been another episode of the Lone Wolves Club podcast, a podcast for conversations you will not find in the church a place for those who feel like a lone wolf. Thanks for listening, and until next time.